This is Darrell Anthony, in case you don't know. Um, Darrell is here in San Diego. He is a soul singer and songwriter, born and raised in Atchison, Kansas. He has been a staple in the private music scene here in San Diego for, oh, let's see, I don't know, since 2010. And I know this to be true because not only is Darrell my friend, he is my bandmate. He is a lead singer in the Mighty Untouchables, been with us since 2018. Darrell, you've done some really, really killer backup gigs. I'm looking at some of the people that you've backed up, like Carl Denson from the Rolling Stones, John Elefante. I was there with you on that one. Yeah. Paul Wall, Bun B, Slim Thug, Yolanda Adams, and Carrie Underwood. That was a major one recently, huh? Yeah. yeah. So he's got all this going on. And along with that, he's also a solo artist. He's been working on some new stuff and he has a new single coming out on Father's Day. So let's start out with that. Tell me what all that's about and what you've been doing. Yeah, yeah well, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Uh, I'll try not to be awkward. <laughs> Would you please? Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I wrote a song well, let me backtrack. So I have, I'm married with two kids, uh, been married for seven years my, and we have a daughter, Kaden, who's four and a son, Cameron, who will be one in July. And I wrote a song maybe like a year and a half, almost two years ago for my daughter. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you've done this before, but you start something and then you get busy and you don't really get to it. And so I finally got a chance to finish the song and it's called Speechless. And it's just a song I wrote for my girl. Um, there's just something about just that father-daughter connection. And um, her and I have been pretty close the past four years. And so I wanted to write about it. And I finally got the song done. And I'm excited to share it with everyone on Father's Day. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. You have some other stuff coming out too, though. You've been working on some others. Yeah, yeah. So I've been trying to use this whole quarantine time just to be productive yeah. uh so i'm trying to really push out two more songs in addition to speechless by the end of the year and then i'm working on an ep for next year so a good friend of mine uh tonga ross mal he's a great great producer and instrumentalist and songwriter and he and i are working on some songs together for next year so just trying to make the most of, of this crazy time that we're in. So Yeah. What else have you been doing? What's your day like oh. during quarantine? <laughs> so um, my wife is a nurse. So shout out to her for being yeah. on the front lines and her and, and so many other people who are working hard for us right now. Um, so I have my kids during the day and it's daddy daycare all day, every day until my wife gets home. I tried to not spend a lot of time in front of the TV, but it's so hard. It's so tempted to just kind of yeah. mellow out and not do anything. But we go for walks. We we do what we can. We try to get outside. And, and my daughter, she loves to run around. And so um, we just try to do what we can without invading other people's you know, space with the social distancing and everything. So um, yeah, we, we do what we can. Yeah. So you had mentioned to me on a, 
the meeting that we were having with the band that you really dove into um, working on the piano. So, I mean, yeah. you've, you've played all this time, but you have made, you've dedicated some major time to that, right? Totally, totally. How's that coming I think along? It's coming, it's coming along well. I, I've always kind of played, I've always loved the piano and I grew up in church. So as a kid, when you're growing up in black church, even if you, you don't really have an option, but to, to help out <laughs> in church. So like early on, I, I was singing, I was playing drums. I picked up keys a little bit. So I've always kind of had a love for the piano. And so uh, through over the years, singing just became more of a priority. And that's how I was able to feed my family. So piano just took a back seat. But now at this time, like, man, I might as well just kind of dig deep and, and start playing again and hopefully get to the place where I can just play for myself on gigs. I, I love doing duo gigs with my friends who play for me, but it'll be cool if I can go out and kind of, I guess, step out on fear a little bit yeah, and just try to, to play for myself and, and see what happens. So, so yeah, I've been putting a lot of time in every day. That's great. I started in on it and then I kind of backed away from it and then I started it on it again. <laughs> Why? You should do it. You can, you can totally do it. I'm trying. <laughs> I really am. But this is my face. So I'm going to give you the. Yeah. My face. <laughs> oh my God. Well, you know what? I know you and I have talked a lot about this where, um, you know, sometimes, especially with piano skills like that, if you don't have a something really holding you accountable to work on that, like having a gig book to play piano and sing, <laughs> there's nothing, you know, more motivating than that. And wow. you've pretty much done that. I mean, you've had some duo gigs and you've, you know, been committed to just sitting down at the piano and doing it. Yeah. And um, it's hard work. And, yeah. and I'm, I'm taking a totally different approach than a lot of our friends who really play. Um, shout out to Bobby and, and everybody that we know in yeah. the community that really, they do this for a living. And so just seeing that side of it is like, man, this is hard work. And, mm -hmm. <laughs> but when you see just the progress, it's rewarding. And so uh, I'm not exactly where what I, I wanna be, but every day I feel a little bit better about it. And mm -hmm. uh, it's coming, coming along, but you should yeah. totally do it. You should totally do I'm it. Trying, I'm trying. <laughs> so tell me, speaking of musical skills, what is your educational background in music? Where are you coming from with that? Was it institutional? Was it private stuff? And where are you going with it? How do you continue to learn and, you know, work on your craft? Yeah. Um, so like I mentioned, I grew up in, in the church and that's honestly where a lot, a lot of it comes from. I feel as a singer, singing in choirs and uh, that's kind of where I developed my ear. Mm -hmm. That's where I was able to learn how to harmonize and just pick up on, on just rhythm and kind of like the foundation for, I think what has kind of allowed me to get this far. But in addition to singing, I, I also was in band. I, was, I played trumpet from elementary all the way through high school. You know yeah, I don't tell people that because I don't consider myself a trumpet player, um, but I, I did play trumpet for many years. Mm 
I played drums for many years. I was even a paid drummer at one point. Imagine that. Whoa. Yeah, but um, so yeah, I, I have a little classical training. I took lessons as a kid, but, um, and like I said, band and stuff. But once I got to college, I think I took one theory class and that was it. Mm-hmm. Music theory was so hard for me. Like I, I tend to rely on my ears and, and just, yeah a different approach. So um, I kind of kick myself lot. now. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. And you you would know for sure. But um, I kind of kick myself now because knowing what I know now, I mean, like, I should have just majored in music and really? just did all the hard work. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you, you know? really feel that way that you um, wish you had? Well, I think I would be so, so much further along. I would know more. And mm-hmm. as singers, I think I think that we have to kind of fight for respect as singers because people don't see us as musicians all the time. Mm-hmm. And so when you get around other musicians and you have the, the knowledge and, and the foundation, you're able to communicate, you're able to really kind of hold your own and find your place amongst those circles. So I think I would have just progressed faster had I majored in music or took a few more classes. But yeah. To answer your question, I, I don't really have a lot of training, like private lessons here and there, but um, yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Well, if you haven't heard Darrell, you wouldn't think that because he's an incredible singer. In fact, I'm going to um, I'm gonna link up a new song that we did with the Mighty Untouchables with him recently, singing leads on it. It's a Stevie Wonder song, and he just killed it. Um, Thank you little story about Darrell in the recording studio. We had had this monster of a day recording. I mean, it was like at a breakneck pace and we didn't even think we were going to get to this song. We didn't even think we were going to be able to, you know, we weren't going to have any time left in the day to do it. So at the ninth hour you know we he decides you know to go into the vocal booth and start recording he steps up sings the song three full passes through i think it was three and every single pass was perfection we could have used (laughs) any one of those passes in its entirety and it would have been a treasure you know, you. it was incredible. I I was out in the at the in the control room. Mike was there. I think Mark was there too, and we were crying. <laughs> it was so incredible. <laughs> so you. you're amazing in the studio. And I don't know how you feel, but I get so intimidated when I walk into a studio because you and I both know when you're singing live, it, it's adrenaline. You're feeding off the crowd and mm-hmm depending on how the mix is in the room, where the room is, you could make so many mistakes and people won't even hear. Yeah. But when you're in a studio behind that mic with headphones on, it's like, there's nothing you can hide. So thank you for saying that. I get so intimidated in there, but I appreciate the compliment. Well, you were you were incredible. And I know singing live, it is so much more forgiving. And our bandmates are busy doing their jobs. Yet when we're in the studio, they're all at the window watching us. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Waiting, watching, judging. <laughs> and you know they're going to be honest. You know Mike, like, oh, yeah. they're all the way real. Mike and Mark and Bobby, and shout out to our band, man. Love our yeah. band. Yeah, it has. It's been a, 
Uh, recording with the band is great. There's there's a lot of um, oh man, with Michael Gein, he's just he's really an incredible producer, and all, all the guys, all the guys just contribute, you know, so 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 much. It's really amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, um, have you set up a home recording studio? I finally got my setup, and I feel so. I feel so ashamed. It's taken me so long, <laughs> like to have a recording set up at my house. One that is, is competitive, like to be able to really get the sound that I want and compete with other recordings. But mm -hmm. yes, I finally got a new mic and I got everything going and I'm good to go. That's finally. great. <laughs> Tell us about that, that new microphone. It's so, it's so great. The Shure SM7B, it's, it's a mic that I've been hearing about forever. And I recorded on it at Allen Studio a couple years back. And I think I recorded Loves in Need on that mic. I don't remember, but it's just a great mic. And for my setup, my house, like I don't really have my room treated mm -hmm. for acoustically and I got kids. And, and so just the microphone itself is perfect for my setup and it just kind of picks up right in front of my mouth and, and no other sounds is, is great. What do you, what do you think? I know you picked up one too. So how are you feeling I about did. it? It is on its way to me as we oh, speak. Right. So I haven't even gotten to use it yet, but I can't wait. It was, it was on back order. So it took a couple extra days, but I am eagerly awaiting its arrival. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's so cool. So what do you think you'll do with it? I mean, what are your intentions recording at home? Are you thinking about, um, you know, doing some of your own, your, your own uh, personal stuff? Or are you thinking of live streaming or? What's yeah, that? I, I, I just want to have it just so I can, if I get a call for something, because you know how it is in, in this industry, you can get a random call at any time, like, hey, can you sing on this? Or, or are you down to collab? on this and I just want to be ready for for anything whether that is session work or my own stuff or I even thought about um, starting a YouTube channel and like doing covers yeah um, so yeah I just want to be just have it so I can use it for whatever I need yeah that's so cool and I think now more than ever singers in any professional capacity i think it's really critical right now that we really get our acts together having you know home recording capabilities and just using this time to figure it all out and kind of you know perfect our methods with it and you know figure out treating the rooms and everything so well, if you want to make good use of the time I'd, I'd be setting up because yeah. the future um, of, you know, live performing, I think it's coming back, of course, but when and where is really uncertain, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. What are you thinking about that? Do you have any predictions of, you know, when you think we're going to be back and what it'll be like, how it'll be changed? It's so up in the air. And I just find myself just overwhelmed anytime I try to think about it. And um, I, it's so hard to tell, right? Because with what we do, it, it's not just like going to a restaurant to sit down and eat. With what we do, we require 
large crowds and big gatherings. And yeah. it just seems like there's so much unrest right now with, with COVID because we don't know if there's going to be a fall outbreak. We just, we don't know. But if I were to put a, some, some kind of timeline, I would say maybe back and running by October, November. Yeah. I what do you think? I think you're right. I really yeah. do. Yeah. And it, I think, um, so we have, we have some opportunities on the horizon to do these, um, live stream events and you know, what that looks like is having the band in a secondary location and, um, obviously miking everything up and, um, live streaming it to either broadcasting it to a, a larger group or, you know, a smaller group. And, um, I'm extremely grateful that that opportunity is even available to us. Um, yeah. but it's not something we've ever done. Right. And you know, the way our show is set up, uh, it's, it's so much, um, it's so fueled by the chemistry that we have with an audience absolutely and the feel and the energy of that so i wonder you know how that will change our show and and how all that will be so i'm um i'm down to do it but i i'm unsure i think is the word i hear you, I hear you. and i'm trying to motivate myself to be down to do it it's just <laughs> going to be so different yeah. so different than what we're all used to yeah but um this season has just taught us all to be flexible. Mm -hmm. And so like, like you said, you gotta just be down to do it. So, yeah. And maybe it's something that we're going to need to approach. Like we do the studio, you know, it is a completely different animal being in the studio doing that than it is in our live performances. Right. So, you know, might be that we're just going to have to get into that mental space. Yeah. You know? I always wonder, like, like, so who do we look at when we're doing those live streams? Do we just stare at the camera or do we just, I don't know, how does that work? I, it's going to be interesting. We'll yeah. see how it goes. But. I don't know. I don't know. But at least we won't have anyone asking to sit in. <laughs> Show the people. Uh, uh, Show the people so. what happens when they ask to sit in. Here's my face. <laughs> when people ask to sit in. Yeah. I <laughs> Basically what that means is no, you can't. <laughs> and I know I'm such I'm such a jerk for it, but um yeah, that that whole thing, that's a whole conversation we could have right there. People sitting in with the <laughs> I I have some feelings about that. And I guess that depends even on the on the event, right? It depends mm -hmm. on, on the show, but yeah. <laughs> it's such a slippery slope because right. you just never know who's walking up there and you never know what's going to happen. And in our case, we've had some really cool, you know, we've had some cool things happen. Some people get up that have just like really, you know, surprised us. Um, but sometimes That's some doozies, not. Some doozies. Not aggressive at all. <laughs> and I'm the whole time in the corner, just like. <laughs> but like you said, sometimes it works out. I guess my thinking is like, 
it's better if no one sits in that way we know we'll never have an issue yeah but if you have a a great bride and groom that are amazing and in that one case we had i think his name is tyler who was a really good drummer the the group the groom named tyler phenomenal drummer came up and like killed it like so cases like that it it works out great but Mm -hmm. yeah it's hit or miss i'm i know i'm such a jerk for it but it's (laughs) it's hit no you're not a jerk i'm i feel the same way but this is my face when they ask (laughs) it is your face absolutely yeah and i'm looking at you like danielle really like really (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh so much times man i think that's gonna be you know one of the things that I miss the most this year is the summer concerts because that's really the time of the year that we get to have so much interaction, so much interaction with the crowd. I mean, of course, we do at weddings and and you know corporate events and everything, but there's just something about the vibe and the atmosphere of um, these outdoor concerts that we get. It's so you know family oriented. Everybody's there to have fun. It's very low pressure. And it's just, I don't know. I, it's, um, I'm really, really going to miss that. Yeah, I agree. And yeah. so much fun. And for our families who never get to see us do what we love, yeah. those are like the times that our kids and, and our friends can really come out and mm-hmm. see us doing our thing. Cause so much of our work is private events and corporates and weddings and, and that whole thing or late night gigs gigs that are like the casino gigs that end at 1 a.m and um so those summer concerts are a perfect time for people to come out and so i i agree i'm gonna miss those too and yeah yeah yep. Well, I'm going to take a second here and give a little shout out to everybody that's joining us on Facebook tonight. Thank you guys so much for checking in with us. We've got uh, Margie Shade. Oh, my Aunt Margie. Hey, Aunt Margie. Love you. (laughs) Chuck Phillips. Hey, Chuck Phillips. Hey, Chuck. Yeah. Peggy Roper. Yes. George Shade is out there too. Awesome. Karen Bradley. Mike Holguin is joining us. Awesome. Karini knows. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much. And if, um, if you have any questions or, you know, want me to ask Darrell something specific, please go ahead and write it in the comments and I will try to keep an eye on these things. Cool. Um, so Darrell, there is, um, there's a lot going on right now as if, um, everything with COVID and quarantine wasn't major enough. I mean, especially in our industry, we basically are at a complete standstill, you know, at this point. And, um, you know, that's, that's really, uh, it's, it's life changing in more ways than I can, you know, possibly describe. So as if that wasn't enough, now we have, today's current events going on and i know that you must be deeply affected by it not just that you live in the la mesa area so you were you know rather close to um the events that took place um down there 
So I think it's just really at the forefront of everybody's mind right now. And um, I guess I'll just start by asking, you know, how are you doing? How's your heart? And how is your family handling everything? Yeah, thank you for, for asking. Um, you know, <clears throat> and I, this is all just a lot. And I, I'm so heartbroken by everything that's been going on. It just, it hurts me to see the things that are being done to black people. Um, as a black man in this country, I, we, I faced challenges, but um, not, even, not even challenges compared to what some people really go through. Yeah. And I, and um, the George Floyd and all the people that have come before him, it breaks my heart. And uh, I, I don't know what it's going to take for things to get where they need to be because it's so deeply rooted. It's systemic racism is, and I don't want to, we don't have to park here too long. You know, I don't want to get all political and stuff, but it, it's, it's so deeply rooted. And I think one of the things is going to take is just leaders at the highest level just standing up and denouncing racism, denouncing these kinds of things happening to Black people. Um, it's also going to take uh, just the change of hearts in a lot of people. And only God can do that. Like, I'm not a minister. I'm not going to get all religious, but I, I am a person of faith. And I believe that it's really gonna take the Lord just working these things out in people's hearts mm -hmm. because we've got such a long way to go. And we we see that right now with, with the things that are going on. Mm -hmm. uh, but like, I'm doing okay. Um, I think the good thing that has come out of this is that I've been able to have some conversations with some of my non-black friends. Uh, I've gotten a lot of messages in my, my DMs and, and text messages and phone calls. And, and so conversations are being had, but it has to go further than that. We have to get leaders at the highest level to step up and apologize and denounce racism. And racism is not okay in any shape or form. Yeah. So um, that's where I'm at with it. And yeah, thank you for asking. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's just not something that we just can't talk about right now, you know, and I think, right. I think our... Um, our community, our music community here in San Diego, I think is going to be um, really changed by this in a lot of ways. And I think uh, it's just an insanely uncomfortable time. And, um, you know, me and my family, we've, we've been um, thinking about it every single day. And um, I feel like, you know, one of the biggest things my husband and I have been talking about is, um, you know, we've, course I've always considered ourselves you know allies and and um, love all our black brothers and sisters without any question about it um, and and have never really had any um, discomfort with discussing race um, because in our minds we think um, well they're not talking about us but this makes you compels you to examine your insides so much and take, you know, take stock of your whole life and your thinking and those that are around you. Yeah. And um, it's been incredibly revealing when you really do take a hard look at it where 
um, where the aspects of racism are hidden in your life or right in front of your face, but you choose to deny it so many times. And so, you know, my prayer for all of us is that, you know, we're going to come out of this changed for the better. You know, I think it's going to take a lot of hard and probably really ugly conversations, you know, yeah. I don't want to see that, but it's going to happen. And for the record, your family is awesome. My family, we love your family. Um, you Kaden loves your girls. <laughs> like anytime she's around your girls, yeah. like you guys show nothing but love. So, yeah. well, speaking of them, I, sometimes I wish that people could step back and just watch our kids play together. Yeah. You know, it's pure innocence and just love for one another. There's no judgment between them. And uh, it just, it would be great if, you know, we could all adapt that mindset again in our lives, you know, right. It's, right. it's hard to get there though. Um, and I, I don't, you know, I don't want to, well, we'll move from this when you're ready, but I'm <laughs> curious to know because I do see so many hard things, you know, especially happening on Facebook and it is um, it's crazy how a time like this and um, the era of um, social media too, how it reveals things about other people that we would have never guessed. You know, you see a lot of opinions and everything and um, I'm real surprised and I'm learning that that's an area that I have to begin to speak up about, which I, I never have. Um, but I'm curious. One thing that I keep seeing over and over again is um, a lot of times when Black Lives Matter is um, put into a post and everything, I'm seeing so many responses of all lives matter. And I'm curious to know, how do you feel about that? Yeah. How does that make you feel? Well, <clears throat> Black lives absolutely matter, <laughs> for one. and. I think people are so caught up in their own, in their own, and when I say people, I guess I mean non-black people. People, they're so caught up in their own worlds is that we know that your lives matter. We, we know that all lives matter, but we're saying, like when you look at the past 300, 400 years, our lives haven't really mattered as black people. <laughs> like, and you can see it in the system. You can see how, how things were, how things have been set up for so long. And so, yeah, all lives matter. We know that, mm -hmm. but our lives matter as well. And when you see just the the numbers of of the black people that are killed by the police, I I, I encourage anyone just to go and, and look at some numbers. I, I read a, a stat the other day that in 2015, I believe there were, were 105, you know, black people killed by the police. And uh, I believe four of them were charged and convicted. And, and out of the four, no one served more than four years in prison. Mm -hmm. That's why Black Lives Matter. When you read stats like that, or when you just see the wealth inequality and housing discrimination, and, and I can go on and on. I ain't no, no um, scholar, but the, you can, anyone can look up the numbers. And so when I see people, I say all lives matter, I mean, whatever. Uh, yeah, they do. We know that. But 
in this case, Black Lives Matter just because of, of what's going on. And it's so everyone can see what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Everyone is seeing it in a lot of different ways, though, apparently. Right. <laughs> and that's, that's the thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm... <laughs> I'm praying for all of us. I really am. And I, again, you know, again, my biggest prayer is that um, it is something that as a nation and just as people that um, will finally confront, you know, no matter how uncomfortable it is. I think that um, social media has played in so much to our lives and it has kind of trained us to be um, very, um, what's the word? mechanical or calculating with the way we respond to things because if you say something or give your opinion online you are putting yourself at great risk of being torn apart right so because of that i think a lot of people have shied away from being confrontational and i think it's even begin it's begun to change us on the inside too so when we are with people in person we're feeling that we're feeling that um, hesitation, you know, to say anything because I think we've become more fearful of, you know, having those uncomfortable conversations. And so, you know, yeah. I think it is just time that we, you know, start that conversation again. And this is a perfect perfect example of that of just us talking about it and and getting each other's ideas on it. That's where it starts. Yeah. That's honestly where it starts. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Where do you think? Um, you don't need to call anyone's name out or anything. But where do you think we need to see changes in in our music community in San Diego around this? Mm. You think we need changes in what's being talked about in the green room, or do we need changes on how people are getting hired or considered for? gigs or you know what are your thoughts on that great question um wow i that's a great question you know i don't know i don't know how to answer that i guess i i've never like i've been in san diego for about 10 years i've been a part of this music community um and that's also when i would say i started as a professional because i i sang a lot back home in kansas but i wasn't out gigging like i am now and ever since I've been in San Diego, the music community has been really good to me. I haven't really had any any weird uh, racial uh, vibes uh, since I've been here. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, I think just, that's such a good question. I, I think hopefully people would just understand that it's really just the golden rule, right? It's a rule that we learn as kids that, I'm learning now at 34, everything I learned as a kid is so true and it applies on so many levels. Yeah. And if you just treat people the way you wanna be treated, like that's for me, I think that's why I've been able to do the things that I've done is just treating people the way I wanna be treated and not just racially, but just as a musician, our reputations are so important and so much of getting hired as a musician is not even related to music. Yes. It is just how you treat people. Are you going to be weird on gigs? Are you going to be the person that 
everyone wants to be around? Are you going to be dressed right? Are you going to know the songs? So I, I think um, to answer your question, I would say, yeah, just a golden rule. Treat people how you want to be treated, man, no matter what they look like and, yes. or what they could do for you. Yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that was yeah. such a good question. I was trying to yes. figure out how to. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm sure there are things, but I, I hope that, you know, within our com community, and I definitely get the sense that, you know, we will all think about it. We're going to be thinking about it and, and you know, examining ourselves and in, in our, in our own lives. But, um, you know, I think that's a great answer. Um, treat, your, treat others the way you want to be treated is almost the answer across the board to just about any relational problem we could face in our entire lives. You know, it is, yeah. um, it is the answer. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, so you mentioned, um, about people getting hired because, you know, they want to work with people who are cool and, you know, you know, good to be around. Um, and I, I think as, as a, coach in my own practice, that is one of the biggest things that I emphasize all the time is that in this industry, more often than not, people hire the person and the skills come after that. You know, I mean, skills, don't get me wrong, are vitally important, but really people are hiring the person first. And I think that anybody coming into the industry, um, should really, really focus on that a lot is your, your interpersonal skills, your soft skills, and just, um, you know, how you, how you network and how you build relationships. And, um, on that topic, when you came out here to San Diego, how did you even, you know, get connected with the San Diego music scene? Like who, who were you meeting and how did that start to, you know, eventually snowball into work for you. Yeah, so when I moved here, it wasn't even for music. It was, uh, I I had visited San Diego a couple years prior to me moving and I fell in love with the city. Um, I knew that LA was only a couple hours away. So as a singer, LA was always kind of in the back of my mind, like, okay, if I move here, San Diego, I could drive up to LA and do that whole thing. So that was always in the back of my mind, but, I had no idea just how great of a music community there is in San Diego and how much work there is. And when I got here, uh, I found my first band on Craigslist. Really? I that, yeah, I found my first band on Craigslist and the leader of that band, really good friends to this day, Joe Bigham, guitarist and uh, instructor at UCSD in Kuimaka, really good friend of mine. Shout out to Joe for kind of taking a chance on me. Cause at that time I had no idea how to be in a band. Like I, I didn't know how to really lead a band. I didn't know, um, I didn't have the chops to get through three or four hour gigs. I, I was totally, I was super green as, as we say in our field. And I found this band online. The band was called the Black Belt Jones Band <laughs> and um, a <laughs> funk band, great musicians. And I was the weakest link in the band. And I did my audition and it wasn't even that great of an audition, but Joe, man, he took a chance on me. And ever since then, 
how we work and how we do things as musicians, it's just about knowing people. It's about meeting people. It's about singing as much as you can or playing as much as you can and being out, being on the scene. And I just was in that band and just kind of learning. That led to one thing, that led to another thing. Yeah. And um, years later, I'm with TMU, the Mighty Untouchables. And um, so, yeah, it's been, it's been great. It's 10 years that have gone by so quick. And um, I never thought I could even make a living as a singer like this. Like, I just never thought that it was possible, but still, still doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I just kind of going back to the original comment, I think that's probably, you know, why Joe took the chance on you is because he he saw the person in you. I mean, me knowing you personally for this long now, you know, you are um, you're just good people to be around. You're uh, one of the humblest guys that I've ever met in my life. And you just um, just being in your space, um, you know, you have great kind energy you're just you know a pleasure to be around all the time and i think um you know you're not all the time (laughs) most of the time (laughs) i'll take it (laughs) but i just think that just speaks volumes about um you know how you can how you can really make uh, how you can really find success in this business is just um you know focusing on the right things you know yeah, yeah. where and do you get I this am... from were your were your parents musical at all or yeah i man my parents are so amazing and and they are music lovers so i grew up they had so many tapes and records and my dad is plays piano my mom sings my sister sings and plays saxophone and clarinet and piano my brother is musical as a songwriter and can rap. Like I, I come from a musical family uh, and I was just early on, the music was everywhere. And I, I think I knew I wasn't going to be an athlete. That was my brother. My brother was a really good athlete and my sister was like super academic and I had to figure out what I was going to do <laughs> because I had to do something. And, and thankfully music was what I took to and, um, like I said, I didn't even think I would be doing it full time. I just didn't think it was possible, but yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, speaking of Joe, he's, he's joined us here on Facebook and he just wants to add that he hired you because you're a beautiful man and you bring, (laughs) you brought in a lot of tips. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) shout out to Joe, man. That, that dude. Yeah. Yeah. Really good friend of mine at this day, super talented guitar player, him and his family, just amazing people. So thanks for, (laughs) thanks for adding that Joe. Who else we have out here? Um, a couple shout outs to people joining us. Um, we've got Karen Lynn out there. Uh, Willie Mae Cooper, Patty Swink, Bobby Cressy. Hey, Bobby. What's up, Bobby? Melinda Silva. Your beautiful wife, Kim is with us. Oh, cool. Cool. Shout out to Kim again. Yes. Out on yes. the front lines. How is Man, she doing? She's good. Kim, she's so tough. She's like the toughest person I know. And she has the best heart of anybody that I know. She is such just a wonderful person on the inside and inside and outside. And 
And not only is she working with you know, COVID patients, but she works in hospice. Mm-hmm. And so that is a whole nother, another thing in itself. And uh, she's amazing. She is strong. Like She never really complains about her job. She loves what she does. Mm-hmm. She's really supportive of me and um, my aspirations as a musician. And so, yeah, she's great. Yeah. She is. I, I get on her nerves. I know I drive her crazy sometimes, but. Oh, I can't even see still... how that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of Kim and the family, so you and I talk about this all the time because we have young kids. My daughters are um, six and seven. Yours are even younger. How um, old are the kids at this point? Caden's four and Cam is, he'll be one July 15th. Yeah. Or 12 months. I don't know what, what's, what is it 12 months? Is that what people say until they're like 24 months? I have to say by month, right? Or can I just say one? What's socially acceptable? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll say 12 that. months. <laughs> he's, <laughs> He'll be um, he's like uh, 50, 52 weeks old. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's something that you and I talk a lot about. Um, you know, and now we have Bobby, who also has um, a young daughter. Um, this is a tough business to have kids in. It's really, really hard because our schedules are um, so irregular. The hours are irregular. And, um, you know, thank God for us that we've we have spouses who are incredibly understanding and supportive of what we do. And so they're willing to, you know, work through that and, and, you know, come up with the creative schedules that we need to. But, um, uh, there's a lot that goes into that. And, um, can you talk about what, what that's been like for you and what, uh, challenges you've had with that? And, um, you know, just all of the childcare and uh, trying to be creative when you're at home with children running around and, you know, how do you work with it? Oh man, it's, I try to take things day by day because if I try to think too far out, I can just get overwhelmed. But um, yeah, shout out to our spouses for just being understanding because it's crazy and and you you never know what the month is going to look like. It, It just, day to day, week to week, month to month with what we do. We could have some months that are really slamming, like August, July, like that time a year can be slamming, everything is great. And then November comes around and it's like, uh, I don't know where the gigs are. <laughs> so, um, but I, I think one of the thing that one of the things that has helped is when when my wife and kids like just see me doing what I love and, and when they see that, yeah, you can make a living doing what you love to do. I, it's not really even about me. It's about showing my kids like, hey, when you grow up, if you want to work a nine to five, and if you want to be in an office, if you want to do that, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But hey, if you want to really do something artistic or creative, you can absolutely do that. You have to just work at it and put yourself in a position and make it happen. So mm-hmm. although it can be difficult balancing time, because sometimes my wife and I we won't spend any time together because I'm working weekend or we're working weekends, you know, mm-hmm. and she works during the 
it's just our schedules are flip flop. But um, so in those times where we're not spending time together, I just have to think like, okay, all this is for, it's for the good. Like I'm, I'm doing what I love and I'm taking care of my family and my kids are seeing that, hey, like you can do what you love to do. So as difficult as it is and as challenging as it can be to find time to spend together as family, there are so many benefits and so many great things that come with doing what we do. Yeah, that's so true. And I think when, um, when my daughters were very young, they're very close in age. So it was like, it was almost like they were newborns all at the same time. But, you know, as a mom going off to work, it, it just was so, um, conflicting, you know, I missed them so much and I felt like I was missing so much. Um, but I got to a point, um, where I really recognized the fact that, um, I love what I do. I love what I do. And if I have to be away from my kids, I'm going, my mind is going to be there and I'm going to make the most of it. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going to be where I need to be. And then as they've gotten older, um, I really want the girls to see me. I want them to see who their mom is and, and what she's passionate about and what's, what's possible, you know, for them in the future, you know, especially as, as women too, you know, I want them to see, um, that you can, you know, you can make it happen. You, and, and this is what it takes. So when I talk about, um, going to work, I really try not to put any, put it any spin on it. Like, Oh, I, I have to, uh, mommy has to be gone again tonight. I, I always tell them I love what I love you but I love what I do too. And, you know, you can count on me being back, you know, in the morning and we'll have a great day tomorrow. But, um, you know, I really want them to see that, that I love what I do, you know, and when they yeah. get bigger, they can choose a career that they love too. Right. Yeah. It's so important. It's so important in, in 2020, there's so many options for us now. Like there's, there's so many, you don't have to, like if anyone you could literally be whatever you want to be as long as you're putting in the work as long as you're putting yourself in a position and being strategic to make it happen so i i totally agree so important so we have we have some other people that are joining us on facebook we've got uh kimmy marino oh cool your sister diamond hey oh i have a story for you about diamond yeah let's hear it (laughs) she loves you my sister, I love Diamond. Like, she loves is, you. Her spirit is just like her energy. I mean, when I met her, I was just instantly like. <laughs> she is such, man, that, that's like her and my brother, obviously Kim, but her and my brother, they're like my best friends. And, and like Diamond, she is such a music lover and she like is so passionate about music. And I, I don't know if you remember, but she, her and her family, they came to one of our summer concerts mm-hmm. and she was like front and center like losing it, like over just our band. Like she just loves it so much. And I talked to her recently and she was like, do you think Danielle would give me voice lessons? And like, she's just, (laughs) she's so beautiful and she's so amazing. I went and listened to, cause she heard What A Fool, the video or the band What A Fool and how you killed it on that song, by the way. She's like, I really want Danielle to give me like lessons. I'm like, yeah, she Mm -hmm. will, Danielle. It's awesome. She, I'm sure she would, but, um, yeah, I love my sister. She's amazing. 
She is. I'd love to spend that time with you, by the way, Diamond. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. I know there's, you know, there's just nothing like being able to um, do shows like that and have, you know, our families come out. Um, I, th I sometimes think that they, you know, they may not know just how much that means to us, you know, to have right. them there because most of what we do obviously is for um, clients and, and everything, but you know, especially during the summer when we get to see the families out there, um, it means so, so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, we also have Nancy Cressy. That's Bobby's mom. Hey, hey, hey. Nancy. <laughs> My friend um, Michelle is out there. Hey, Michelle. And Melissa Goulet, she is. Hey. Yeah, she's a mutual friend of ours, yes. which. Um, <laughs> was happening before we even knew each other. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a cool, a cool job. Like prior to singing full time, I worked at a really great school in El Cajon, a school for disabled adults and got a chance to work with Melissa and alongside some great staff and doing very meaningful work. So that was a, a really cool couple of years working over yeah. there. Yeah. What do you think was, um, you, you know, you had a, um, you got a degree, you went into a totally different field than, than music. Um, you've had all kinds of, you know, different, um, jobs and you've done a lot, you've worn a lot of different hats. Um, what was the thing that put you full time in music? How did you make that, you know, leap? Yeah. Um, and would you go back if you had to? Uh, no. <laughs> as, as much as I, I've had some really cool jobs. I, I think the coolest job I ever had, and this is where I met my wife. I worked at a kid's weight loss camp. I worked, and that was like I'd never done anything like that before until I did that. That was the summer I did it for two or oh, three summers. The second summer was when I met Kim and I was here in San Diego. So that was probably the coolest job that I had outside of music. I would never go back. I love singing. And um, I think what, what put me to full time was when my daughter was born. So I was, mm -hmm. and that was four years ago. So I've been singing professionally for 10 years, full time for four. And about that time, I was right at that, that point money-wise where like, okay, like I could, my wife and I did the numbers like, okay, if I just did music, it would be, it would work out fine. It was, mm -hmm. it was scary, but it would work out, it would work out fine. So four years ago was when I took that jump. It was, it was great. I'm so glad that I did. And ever since then, it's just gone, gotten better and better and better. Yeah. But before that, I was always, juggling i had the full-time jobs during the day and then i'd be gigging at night on the weekends but yeah, yeah it took it took many years mm -hmm. <laughs> for for things to kind of get to that point yeah. it seems to have worked out okay for you yeah yeah thankfully <laughs>